Well, Woodlands Church, we just started a new series on habits. And last week we said it's really the small changes that create the biggest results. Just as small clouds build up and build up and build up and build up to break through and cause a huge downpour, small habits can build up over time to a breakthrough and cause huge results in our lives. And we said that it just makes sense to us that small habits over time make a huge difference. I mean, we really want instant results, but we know it doesn't work that way. And so we understand that we've gotta do these small habits daily over time, and then it builds up. We understand that we need to do these habits and that it's gonna produce growth, but it's gonna be slow. But we think it's gonna work a little bit like this. We know that we want results. We know it's gonna take time, but we think it's gonna work a little like this arrow right here, that we're gonna start slow and it's just gonna keep going the same direction up and to the right and every day improve just a little bit, but that's not the way it works. This arrow is more representative of the way it really works because whenever you start a new habit, for the first few days, for the first few weeks, maybe even the first few months, you can't see any results. You can't notice any difference and it's so discouraging. And then all of a sudden, if you just keep it up and keep it up and keep it up, even when you don't see any results, then you cross a threshold and because it's built up and built up and built up like clouds that build up, then you have exponential growth, exponential change. And this is what everyone sees and they think, how did that happen overnight? And it didn't happen overnight. But here's the problem. We said last week, this gap right here is the give up gap. Right here is what I call the valley of drought. You've gotta make it through the valley of drought. And it's in the valley of drought, in that desert where we give up because we don't see any results. We can't see any change. We feel like giving up in the give up gap and we're looking for an oasis of results but seeing very little and we give up and we don't realize that it's like those tectonic plates that come together under the earth's surface that the pressure builds up and builds up and builds up and then boom, there's an earthquake of change. And so we said, how do you keep going in that valley of drought when you feel like giving up just before the downpour? And it really comes down to understanding habits because James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, says really there are three circles to our habits, three parts to a habit, a small habit that you put into your life. And the first circle is goals. And it's the least important, but it's the one that we place the most importance on, like New Year's resolutions, or I've got a big goal of running a marathon, or, or I'm gonna make straight A's all the way through college, or you know, just one of those, or I'm gonna lose 50 pounds. Or We have these big goals that are way out there, and we just focus on that, and it's not very fulfilling because every day, you can't really see yourself getting that much closer to that giant goal. And, and goals are good, they're part of developing a habit. It's good to have goals. But what you need more than goals is this second circle, behaviors. That's the processes, the systems, the behaviors that you're going to do in order to achieve the results. And it would be better just to focus on the behaviors rather than to focus on the goals. And maybe 
my behaviors, my system, my process is gonna be to work out four times a week for an hour and not eat after 7 p.m. or whatever it may be. And then you can see after one week if you're doing that process, those behaviors, and it's very fulfilling and you focus on the behaviors because you will get the results if you focus on the behaviors, the process of getting to where you want to go. So that's really powerful, but even more powerful and most powerful, the one that you need most is identity. That smallest circle, that inner circle is the most explosive when you begin to connect a habit to your identity and it becomes who you are. I just eat healthy, that's who I am. You know, I exercise, that's who I am. I love physical exercise, that's who I am. I'm a writer, that's who I am. I am, and you find your true identity and then you do the small habits that confirm your identity. It's so powerful. So we're talking about identity-based habits today because some of us need to change our identity because we have a false identity and we don't even realize it. We don't understand that we're living from a false identity. We're not aware of our true identity. And by the way, if you're a Christ follower, your identity is in Christ and it changes everything. You ought to do a study about that. But um, we say things like, I'm not a morning person or I'm not very good with tech, or I can't remember names very well, or I'm always late. And, and, and we say those things, and then we do those things that confirm our false identity, and it gets really ingrained, and it's so hard to break free once a habit has been attached to your identity. It's just the way I am, but it's really not. It's a false identity. And so you have to decide who you really are, and then you prove it with small wins. I decide who I really am. Like I read about a person who said, you know, I, I lost 100 pounds over quite a long time because I just decided I was a healthy person, so I started asking, what would a healthy person eat? And every time I had a choice, I would choose what a healthy person would eat because I'm a healthy person. And so really it's, seeing who your true identity, seeing your true identity, and then those small wins, those small habits that confirm your true identity. Now, we're gonna talk about a guy in scripture who struggled with a false identity. His name was Gideon. Everything in his life pointed to his false identity. All the circumstances, all the little habits that he did, every little thing that he could see pointed to his false identity, so he believed it was his true identity. For in that day, the Israelites were always being harassed by the Midianites. They were kind of beaten down by the Midianites because every time the Israelites would gather in a great crop, they would work so hard, they would start to celebrate. Midianite raiders would come down and steal their crops that they had worked for so hard. Every time they would bring anything good into the camp, the Midianite raiders would come in and they would raid it and they would steal it from them. And so by this time, Israel was really beaten down. They felt so weak, they were fearful. They're frightened of the Midianites, and Gideon was a young man who's very insecure. His false identity was one of a young man who was insecure and fearful. He felt like he was a small pawn in the great game of life, that he was just a small cog in the great machine of life. 
that he had no power, he had no significance, no influence. He felt like that's who he was. He was very fearful and cowardly. At least that's what he thought. But then God intervenes. And in a really short time, Gideon goes from being insecure, weak, and cowardly to a mighty warrior that leads the Israelites to defeat the Midianites and changes the whole nation in a very short time. And it all started with a change in his identity. This is so crucial. If we're gonna keep going in the valley of drought, those small habits that make all the difference, we need identity-based habits. It has to flow from our identity because that's where the power really comes from. And so would you open your Bibles to Judges chapter six and stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church. And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us through our online and broadcast ministry around the world. And I'm so glad that you're connected with us. We have thousands of people now connected with us. I think it was 1.5 million individuals connected with us last year over our online ministry and over 4 million through our broadcast ministry connected all around the world. And here's the important thing. You know, I would rather you be here in our buildings and our satellite campuses and our Woodlands campus and be in the buildings connected but as long as you're connected, as long as you stay connected during this time, it's so important. And that's why we're one church built on the word of God together. So let's just follow along together. In Judges chapter six, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Dear God, I know that you want to say that exact same thing to so many men and women here today, so many connected with us today in worship, that you are with us. And Lord, you call us mighty warriors when we don't feel like it. And I know, Lord, that you want to do something amazing, Lord, so deep, inside us that it may seem really small and insignificant, but it will be the thing that will change our lives forever. That we'll be able to look back on this day and say that was the day that God opened my eyes to see who I really was. And everything started to change from that day on. Lord, I know some are going through the valley of drought right now and they feel like they'll never make it through. Lord, I pray that you would just remind us all that the greater the pain and the heavier the rain of your blessings. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring your blessings to bear on our lives right now. Meet us at our point of need and our doubts and our fears. Meet us like you did Gideon, Lord, and change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. The scene here opens up with Gideon threshing wheat I mean, he had just harvested the wheat. He's threshing the wheat. He's getting ready to make bread and to provide for the family, but he's doing it in a wine press. And that's because he could get down into the wine press that was there to press grapes, and he could be hidden. He was cowering from the Midianites. We first see Gideon being cowardly, hiding, being frightened, afraid the Midianites are gonna come in again and steal all of his harvest and steal his crops. And so he's hidden away. 
and God intervenes. And God comes down and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love that because Gideon was like, is there someone else in this barn here? You know, is there somebody else? Because uh, are, you ta- are you talking to me? Uh, me, a mighty warrior? He felt anything but a mighty warrior at that moment. He was insecure and fearful. He had his doubts and he was discouraged. He was down. He was despairing. But God looked at him and said, you are a mighty warrior. I have a grandson who just turned one year old and his name is Rowan Warrior. And I love that. Right now he just looks like a chubby little you know, crawler crawling all over the place. But he is a warrior and God's gonna raise him up to be a warrior to fight for the things that are good and right. And I, I love that. And so God looks at Gideon and he sees not what he is at the moment, but who he can become because he sees his true identity. And he calls it out and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And God looks at you today and he sees your true identity. If you're a Christ follower, he sees that true identity and he looks at you and he says, you are a mighty warrior. He sees not what you are now, but who you can become. And that's a big difference between goal-based habits and identity-based habits. Goal-based habits are focused on what I can achieve. Identity-based habits are focused on who I want to become. And God sees who you can become because he sees your true identity. And he wants to change your thinking and tear down the wrong thinking so you'll start thinking the truth and then you'll start acting on the truth and it will confirm your thinking. And then your thinking will help you act and then your action will confirm your thinking and it just gets tied into your identity and it becomes who you are. Those are the habits that change us. So God always looks past what we are to who we can become and he sees your true identity. I know that God is looking at some man today who, who really feels insecure and you feel like you don't have what it takes. And God says, I understand that you feel like you don't have what it takes and you feel fearful and weak and insecure. But I am with you, mighty man of God. I know that God looks at some woman out there today and he says, I know you feel insecure and and I know that you feel like you'll never be enough, that you'll never measure up, but I want you to know that I am with you, beautiful and confident woman. I know that God looks at some of you who've just gone through a failure, maybe in your business or in a marriage, a failure in a relationship, and God looks at you and says, I know you feel like a failure right now, I know you think that's your true identity, but it's not. I am with you, oh man or woman of success, true success. I am with you. And some of you have been making some bad decisions lately, and you're thinking that you're just a bad decision maker, that you just made some decisions that have been really destructive in your life, some decisions that have taken you down wrong paths, and and you feel like that's just who you are, and God looks at you and says, I know you've made some bad decisions and I know you're going through some pain right now, but I am with you, oh man or woman of wisdom. 
God looks past what we are and sees who we can become when we start living from our true identity in Jesus Christ. And so God says, I am with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon is like, uh, what? I'm not a mighty warrior. You've got the wrong guy. It's kind of like, though, when you're lifting weights. When you lift weights, at first it tears your muscles down, and that's why you have to rest between uh, working on the same muscles because it tears the muscles down, and then they build up stronger. And God sometimes has to tear down our wrong thinking to build us up with new habits, and that's what he does for Gideon. First, God tears down our fears to build our faith. Gideon says, I don't feel like a mighty warrior. I see no evidence of it. And in Judges 6, 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now God tells Gideon something really important here. He says, go in the strength you have. This is so important when you're starting new habits and you're thinking about those big long-term goals. Forget about those long-term goals and just start doing that new habit. Go in the strength you have. We're always looking for some great strength. We're always looking for some new, amazing, big method. We're always looking for some big, new way. We're always looking for a big bolt of lightning to come down and just change us forever. And God says, stop waiting for that next big thing and just go on the strength you have, the small strength you have. Just go on the strength you have and I'll give you what you don't have. If you go on the strength you have, God will give you what you don't have. But until you go on the strength you have, God can't give you what you don't have. He's waiting for you to take that step. This is a powerful principle of life. We're always waiting for the big change. My kids always used to tease me about, Dad, are you starting your program tomorrow? Are you starting it tomorrow as I'm eating a big bowl of ice cream? Yeah, that's right, I'm gonna start it tomorrow. It's a great day to start. Get off to a great start. Don't wait till tomorrow, just go in the strength you have today and God will give you what you need tomorrow if you'll go in the strength you have today. Stop waiting for the big thing and start the small thing that you can do today and God will give you the strength. Well, Gideon, here's God, but yet it's interesting to me that Gideon's identity issues are really deep. I mean, they're really deep and Gideon says, you know, my family's the weakest, it's the least influential and least powerful in our whole tribe. And he says, I'm the least significant, the least talented, uh, the least important, the least capable person in my family. Now, it's interesting to me that God doesn't say, I disagree, Gideon. I mean, you've got some hidden talent. Start looking at the positive. No, God doesn't say anything. So apparently, Gideon was the least talented, <laughs> the least significant member of his family. And his family was the least significant family in the whole tribe. God doesn't say, stop talking like that. You know, I mean, start thinking about the positive things that you have in your life. Get in. No, God doesn't say anything about it. But he redirects his focus. And he says, 
I am with you. He doesn't even answer Gideon when Gideon starts saying that. Like, I can't really do anything much. I mean, some Christ followers think God would say, you are so humble, you impress me. No, God can't stand it when we do that, false humility, when we go, oh, I can't really do anything. I just can't do it. I'm just a pawn in the great game of life. That's not humility. That's focus on yourself, which really means it's pride in a twisted kind of way. God was saying to Gideon, I am with you, that's all that matters. So stop focusing on what you can't do and focus on what I can do through you. Stop focusing on what you can't do in and of your own strength because you've got me. That changes everything. You're still focused on what you can't do in your own strength when you've got the God of the universe right there with you to flow his power through you. You're a mighty warrior. Step up and step out and start acting like who you really are. Be a man, a man of God. So Gideon starts thinking differently. What would a mighty warrior do? I mean, if I'm a mighty warrior, then I need to ask, what would a mighty warrior do? What would a healthy person eat? What would a wise person do in this situation? What would a writer do? If I'm a writer, then what would a writer do? Well, a writer would write. And every time you write, you prove that you're a writer. And so we want to ask ourselves, what would this person do? Because that's the kind of person I am. So I need to know what they would do. When Gideon begins to change here. And by the way, I want to ask, what would a man of God do? Because I know that so many times men will say, well, I'm not great at spiritual stuff, and so I don't really get into the spiritual stuff. You know, my wife is a lot more spiritual. She does the spiritual stuff, and I, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm not great at that. And I want to say to you, God is with you, almighty man of God. You're a man of God, so you need to ask, what would a man of God do? And I'll tell you what a man of God would do. First, a man of God would spend time with God every day, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, Spend time with God. And we're making it really easy because we're doing this 50 days of prayer where I'm coming on every morning and doing a daily video devotional that's on all our social media platforms and we're talking about prayer. We're learning how to pray. And a man of God would pray. A man of God would learn how to pray. A man of God would admit that he doesn't know how to pray so that he can learn how to pray. And we're learning how to pray and it's just five minutes, 10 minutes every day. It's recorded, so if, if you go off to work at 6 a.m., and you, you can do it then. Or you could do it at 10 p.m. at night. Or you can do it with us at 8 a.m. when it comes on. It doesn't matter. It's just 10 minutes. It's 50 days of prayer, and that's what our nation needs more than anything right now is prayer. You see, sometimes we think to be a man of God, well, this year I commit. I'm going to read through the Bible in one month. I'm gonna do it, I'm a man of God, and then after the second day you quit. That's not what a man of God does. A man of God just spends time with God every day. A man of God is not trying to impress God. You know, I I love the one-year Bible, but for me it's been like the 50-year Bible at times. They ought to come out with the 50-year Bible, you know? Make it, make it a little, the reading's a little shorter because I start reading and and I read and it's like, then I get behind and then I start just reading as fast as I can. I don't get anything out of it, but I can say I read through the Bible in a year. I have no idea 
what it was all about. But I read through it in a year. It's not important. What's important is that daily spend time with God. And when you miss a day, ask for forgiveness and get right back with it. I'll tell you what else a man of God would do. Make sure his family puts a priority on church. That's what a man of God would do. Some have given up the habit of meeting together. The scripture says, don't give up that habit. Once a week, you need a mid-course correction. You need a realignment. You need to be in church and, or connected to church at your home. And I'll tell you what a man of God wouldn't do. Just connect on Sunday morning at home for 10 minutes and then change it over to the ball game. That's what a man of God wouldn't do. A man of God would say, we go to the 9.30 service even though we meet at home and we're gonna be here for that hour and we're gonna connect during that hour and, and we're gonna put a priority on church or be in the building. You know, it, it doesn't matter which as long as you put a priority on it. And when you put a priority on it, you do what a man of God would do and it affirms who you really are. A man of God. Well, God tells Gideon to join him in the tearing down process. In Judges 6, 25, it says, that night the Lord told Gideon, take your father's bull and another bull seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the symbol of the goddess Asherah, which is beside it. Build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God on top of this mound. Then take the second bull and burn it whole as an offering, using for firewood the symbol of Asherah that you have cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did what the Lord had told him. He was too afraid of his family and the people in town to do it by day, so he did it at night. Well, Gideon's father and all the people of Israel were worshiping idols that were part of the culture of the people around them. And the main idols were Baal and Asherah. And these were very vile and perverse idols. They were idols of pleasure and self-harm. And so Gideon's father had erected this huge idol to Baal, a statue to Baal, and people from all over would come and worship it. But the first thing God tells Gideon to do as a mighty warrior is tear down the idols. And when God wants to tear down your fears and build up your faith, the first thing he asks you to do is tear down the idols that are in your heart because our habits come from our heart. And we have to tear down the idols that are in our heart. And idols are anything that you put ahead of God. It can be a good thing, it can be a relationship. It can be success, it can be money, it can be the approval of people, it can be achievements. There's so many things that you can put ahead of God and they become idols and they start strangling you and they keep you from God's purpose for your life. And so the first thing that Gideon has to do is to tear down the idols so God can build his faith. And when he does that, he's really tearing down his own idol the fear of people. He was a people pleaser. He even had to do that at night because he was afraid of what the people would think about him, but at least he does it. And one of the things God has to tear down in our lives, if he tears down our fear to build our faith, he has to tear down in our lives the fear of the disapproval of others, the fear of not pleasing people. He has to get rid of the people-pleasing in us because we all have this people-pleasing in us. We want the approval of others, and we're not as concerned about the approval of God. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Christian psychologist Ed, Edward Welt says that we try to please people when people in our minds are bigger than God. And when we make people big, we make God really small, 
And then we allow people to control us, how we think, how we feel, what we do, and it strangles God's power and purpose out of our lives. If you fear God, you won't fear anyone else. If you don't fear God, you'll fear everyone else. You'll be a people pleaser because everyone else will be glad to tell you what you need to do with your life. And the peer pressure and the people pleasing will take over and you won't even know who you really are. Some of you have been dancing to everyone else's tune for so long that you don't even know the song that God's placed in your heart. You don't even recognize who you truly are. You've been trying to please people for so long that you're not sure what your true identity is. It seems to change with whoever you're with and whoever you're trying to please. Well, the next day, when people wake up and they see that the idols are torn down, they wonder, who did this? Somebody's gotta pay for this, and then they trace it to Gideon, and they come up to Gideon's house, and Gideon's dad, the one who had built the altar, was so moved by his son's act of courage that he stands up and he says, don't you dare touch my son. He says, if Baal is really a god, then why does he need you to defend him? He can take care of himself. He he can kill my son if he wants, if he's really a god, but I don't think he's a god. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Gideon's father, the one who had built the altar, changes completely. He is so moved by his son's act of courage that he changes completely and he stops worshiping Baal and turns to the true God. You see, you can't influence anyone when you're trying to please them. But when you start to please God, you start influencing people. You can impress people or you can influence people. And you influence people by not trying to please them, which isn't loving, but by trying to please God and seeking God and not worrying what anyone else thinks about you. And it influences people and it changes others. And people want to follow you because it is so rare and so we see that Gideon now is doing the things that a mighty warrior does, and he's feeling more and more like a mighty warrior. His fears are being torn away as he acts in faith. But then secondly, God tears down our pride so we can be filled with his power. And God fills Gideon with faith, and he's asking now, what does a mighty warrior do? And he says, well, I guess a mighty warrior would gather an army. And so he gathers an army, he calls out to everyone around him, he goes everywhere he can, and he gives a great speech, and he's feeling like a mighty warrior, and 32,000 men come to the call, ready to defend and ready to take back what was rightfully theirs. He's acting like a mighty warrior, but then God says something to him really strange in Judges 7, 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. So God tells Gideon, you've got too many men. You've got to tell everyone who's afraid that they can go home without consequences. And so Gideon, I'm sure, is thinking, I just imagine he's thinking, this is really weird, God, that you want me to if, tell them if they're afraid they can just go home Oh, I get it. This is my chance to really practice my mighty warrior speech. I can just imagine Gideon thinking this. It's like, and so he says, hey guys, if any of you are afraid, you can go home right now, no consequences. No, I'm not gonna do anything to you. You just go home if you're afraid, just go home. But this is a day that you'll never forget. For today we win glory for God. 
One day, when you're an old man lying in your bed, you'll think back on this great day, and you'll say, I was there. Just know, everyone dies, but not every man lives. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Who is with me? Come on. And no one moves, but a guy kind of raises his hand and goes, hey, did you say that if we're afraid, we can go home and nothing's going to happen to us? Is that, is that, yes, I did, but that's not what I want you to focus on. Hey, I think he said if we're afraid, we can just go home. Yeah, he said that. He said if we're afraid, we can just, you know what? I'm pretty afraid. Are you afraid? I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death. I qualify for that. Yeah. I'm out. Let's go. And all of a sudden, everyone starts leaving. 22,000 took him up on his offer. And I'm sure Gideon is thinking, whoa, I'm not a mighty warrior. I mean, it's not supposed to work that way. 22,000 leave, but what was God doing? God was tearing down his pride so he could be filled with God's power and God would get the credit. And he needed God's power. He, he was, he still had some pride in his life. Still had a little bit of pride because even though early on he was insecure and felt weak, I mean, really, that, that's pride because he was focused on himself and what he was feeling and all his inadequacies. And now he's got some pride in his life that needs to be torn down because you can't be full of God when you're full of yourself. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit when you're full of pride. And so God begins to tear down the pride in his life. And God says, as long as you think you can win the battle on your own, you'll never depend on my power, and you need my power. The number one thing God has to tear down in all of our lives before he can fill us with his power is pride. How do you know if you have pride? Well, it's really just focusing on yourself, your needs, your wants, why things aren't going good for you. And usually it's when you have successes, you take credit for it. When you have failures, you blame others. That's a good sign. That's called human nature, and it's called pride. But then God says to him, there's still too many. I'm sure Gideon thought, well, you know, there's, there's like, what, 10,000 men left. Okay, we can do it. And, and God says, that's still too many. And so when your men drink from the river now, I want you to separate those who put their face in the water and drink and those who lap up the water with their hands, looking around for the enemy, being on the alert. And 300 lapped with their hands. In Judges 7, 7, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. I'm sure Gideon was thinking, oh, Lord, it's the ones who put their face in the water that you probably want to keep. And God says, nope, send them home. 300. He gets down to the 300, and sometimes God allows you to lose some things that you thought you needed so you can find what you really need. And maybe you've just gone through a loss of confidence, or a loss of a job, or the loss of a loved one, or the loss of some faith. Maybe you've just gone through a loss of friends. You've just moved to this area and you're new and you don't have any friends and it just feels really uncomfortable. Maybe you've gone through a loss of comfort as you've been pushed out of your comfort zone. God will allow us to go through losses so we can find what we truly need. And sometimes we lose things that we need desperately and can't live without only to find 
what we really need desperately and can't live without. God allowed Gideon to go through loss so he could find great gain in God's power. You see, God knows if we never go through loss, we'll never depend on God's power. If we never lose our pride, we'll never depend on God's power. It's in our losses we find our true identity so that God can do the third thing. God tears down our doubts to build up our confidence. God confidence, not self-confidence. God is so patient with our doubts and he's so patient with Gideon's doubts. Gideon has doubts here over all through the story. And over and over again, God meets him at his point of doubt. In Judges 7, verse 9, it says, that night, God told Gideon, get up and go down to the camp. I've given it to you. If you have any doubts about going down, go down with Pura, your armor bearer. When you hear what they're saying, you'll be bold and confident. So God says, Gideon, you can go take them right now and win the battle, because I'll do that for you. But if you still have doubts, then sneak down there with your armor bearer and listen to what they're saying. So he snuck down and he began to hear that the Midianites were saying, hey, I had a terrible dream that we were defeated by Gideon. Yeah, I had this awful dream. And they're, they're talking about how fearful they are and it just builds Gideon's confidence in God. And so when he comes back to his men, he says this in Judges seven seventeen, Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. Does it give them some great motivational speech? He is now a mighty warrior because he leads by example. He says, hey guys, just watch me. I'm gonna follow God with all my heart and I want you to follow me because I'm gonna be following God with all my heart and I'm right in it with you. I'm not gonna ask you to do something I'm not gonna do myself and so I'm gonna lead the way and I challenge you to follow and I want you to do exactly as I do because I'm gonna do exactly as God tells me. I mean, that is not some giant inspirational, motivational yelling speech. That's just leadership. And he goes from this weak, insecure young man to this great, brave, and mighty warrior with integrity who leads by example who wouldn't wanna follow him into battle. See, the battle hasn't even started, but the battle for Gideon's character has already been won. He boldly leads them into battle. He's filled with God confidence. And, and really, folks, it all comes back to character. The reason why God leads us to the valley of drought before we can experience the ocean of his blessings is to build our character because he's more interested in our character than our comfort. God is far more interested in who you are becoming than what you're doing right now. God is far more interested in who he's making you to be rather than the job you have. We get so caught up in what we're gonna do in life, what we're gonna do in life, what we're gonna do next, what should we be doing, what should our job be, what job should we get, and should I change jobs, and all these things, and God says, I'm not as concerned about that as I am about who you're gonna become. It's not what you're going to do, it's who you're going to become. It's all about character because character really counts. God gives us a call, each and every one of us, God gives us a call, and if our character doesn't match the call, eventually our character will catch up with us and take us down. It always works that way, all through scripture, all through life, and so God has to do these things in our character to tear down those places that are gonna hold us back so he can build us up. The whole reason God tears down is so that he can build up. Now, human beings, 
We try to tear each other down. There's a lot of terror downers in this world. Either you're a builder upper or a terror downer, and there are a lot of terror downers, so I hang around builder uppers. But God is different. When God tears down, it's always to build up. And some of you are going through the tearing down process right now, and it doesn't feel good, but it's because God loves you, because you're his child. He cares about you, and he's allowing some things in your life that are no fun, but it's part of the valley of drought to tear down the things that need to come out of you so that your character can match your calling because as Martin Luther King Jr. said, whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, I dream of a day in America of when someone will be judged not by the color of their skin but by the content of their character because it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside that matters. And God is far more concerned about who you become than what you are doing. And so Gideon's character matches his calling. And he begins to follow God with all of his heart. What's amazing is God is finished with the demolition project in Gideon's life. God stops the tearing down process. He's building him up and strengthening him. And God goes to tearing down the enemies that he has. In Judges 7.20, it says, the three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. And so God tears down the Midianites. And here's the important thing to hear. God wants to tear down some of those enemies that are in your life. But first, he has to tear down the things that are keeping you from following him with all your heart because your habits come from your heart. And if we allow God to tear down the things in our lives that shouldn't be there so he can build us up, he will tear down those barriers that you're facing to take you to your destiny because you can't get to your destiny without going through the desert because it's all about character. And that's why God wants us to do those small habits when we see no results, because it's all about character, because that's what we take with us into eternity. And everything that you go through is for a purpose. Every problem you have, every pain has a purpose. We may not understand it completely right now, but God is always working in our lives, tearing down the things that shouldn't be there to build up our true identity. And so I just wanna ask you today, are you going through the valley of drought? Are you feeling the tearing down process and it's painful? The greater the pain, the greater the rain that's about to come. In Psalm 107, 35, it says, but he, God, also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He's saying that that valley, the deeper the valley you're having to go through right now, the deeper the ocean of God's blessing that's coming. That valley that's deep right now, and you gotta walk through every step of it. That's the problem. You know, I go into the valley, and I wanna go right back out. But God says, you've gotta walk through this. I'm not taking this out of your life. You've gotta walk through this, but I will see you through because I am with you. Philippians tells us, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So you will go from desert to done because God will complete it, but in that time, he's completing you, making you into who you truly are, who he has called you to be. And the deeper that valley that you're walking through, the deeper the ocean of God's blessings is coming. 
the longer the wait, the bigger the wave of God's blessing that is coming. So hold on, because it is coming. Hold on. And ask the Lord to show you this week. Lord, show me those areas that you're working on so I don't want to waste this. You see, the people of Israel, they would just keep going around the desert, around and around and around and around. Why? It was an eight-day walk from Egypt to Israel, the promised land, and it took them 40 years. Why? Because they had a lot that God had to strip away, and they didn't learn. They didn't learn. Don't waste a hurt. Don't waste a problem. And so what would happen is they would take another lap around Mount Sinai and come back and go, this looks really familiar. Have you ever had the same problem in your life over and over and over and over again? God wants you to learn this year. You see, we got rid of 2020, but we didn't get rid of ourselves. That's the problem. Some of you are having pain in 2021, and you're going, I thought all my problems would be over when 2020 left. No, the problem is you took yourself into 2021. So the problem is still there. You know, I have to look at myself and say, God, change me. Don't change the year, change me. Change me, and God wants to change us. And God has a plan, and God has a purpose, and the ultimate plan is to build you up. To build you up as you lift him up. God is the great builder. He's the builder upper, and he wants to build you. Let's bow together. Dear God, I know there's so many going through the valley of drought, and it's a deep valley right now in their life. But Lord, just remind us all that the deeper the valley, the deeper the ocean of your blessings. And I thank you, Lord, that you've promised that you're with us so we will make it through. And Lord, I also thank you that you see our true identity. Lord, many times I I don't see it, I don't feel it. Sometimes I feel just the opposite of my true identity. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us all truly see it and then just start going in the strength we have to do the small things that make all the difference. For it's in Jesus' name, that we pray, amen. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, I just challenge you right now to say, Jesus Christ, I need you. Come into my life, forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord, I wanna follow you. I wanna please you. I'm tired of trying to please everyone else, tired of trying to please myself. I wanna follow you and please you. I receive your free gift of salvation. And if you pray that, then just click online. I'm raising my hand to receive Christ. or. Talk to one of our pastors if you're here and let them know we wanna help you grow in your faith. And now we're at the time of our service where we give back to God. And I really encourage you to start the habit of giving. Most people don't realize it, but giving is just one of the spiritual habits. For you see, it's a daily time with God. Tune in tomorrow for our devotional on prayer. And then it's a, a weekly worship. It's what you're doing right now, putting God first in your week so that you can bless the rest of it. And then it's a, weekly tithe to put God first in your finances. And so start the new year putting God first in the most important areas of your life. And then give God first consideration in all your decisions. That's what it means practically to put God first. So let's give to the Lord. The way we do that is we take out our smartphones since we don't pass the offering basket, trying to be as safe as possible. And so now you just take out your smartphone and you can just go to wc.org slash give. Or you can text Give WC, one word, give WC to 77977. And you can give through our PushPay app, or you can go to the Woodland Church app and give. You can give online at home. 
Give those same ways at home. You can grab one of the pink envelopes and write a check and turn it in in one of our boxes on the way out, or you can mail it in. It doesn't matter how you give, but make it a habit. Don't do it just when you feel like it, just when you remember it. Set it up. Make it recurrent. It's more important than anything. Before anyone else gets paid, put God first, and he'll bless the rest, and he'll meet your needs. Woodland Church, let's give and let's sing. I want us to sing to the Lord, and let's stand right now and sing and give him our whole hearts. That's what God wants more than anything. You say, Carrie, you know, my heart, you know, is a mess. You know, I, I, uh, I'm so distracted, and I can't seem to stick with the things that are most important, and let's just give him our whole hearts just the way they are, the good, bad, and the ugly. Give him your whole heart because he wants your whole heart just as it is so that he can make it new and fill you with his strength and really share with you your true identity. He's gonna whisper that in your ear this, this week and you're gonna remember that. He's gonna whisper in your ear your true identity, who you really are, and then you say, what would a person like that do? And you just start doing it, little things, and let God do what he wants because he loves you. He wants your whole heart. He loves you. He sees past the insecurities and the fears and the doubts. He sees past all the mess and the sins, and he sees, and he knows, and he cares. Let's sing to him, and let this be a dedication as we start the new year. Give God your heart. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.